0: Here, oh, yeah, Jan, Here's your Jenny, your phone. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. It's so good to see everyone again. I hope this week has been um, your communion, your prayer conversation with God. We've been practicing that. It is a two way conversation. You don't put down the phone too soon. We listen to what He's going to say. We We seek out with the mind of Christ, seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, what His will is. Um, we want to see things from his point of view, the, prayer of, uh, the principle of agreement, um, using both kingly and priestly intercession, petitioning God, asking him for things, but then also prophesying, decreeing, things like that. Um, today, we're going to be looking at praying for the sick, and I know that although God does miracles, we are not going to get through all the content I've got in my notes. So I think the last two sections, I mean, I think in your notes there are enough detail there for you just to read through them. Maybe a miracle will happen and we'll get there. I, I don't know. I can't promise anything. Um, but I want to say up front that I am still learning in this area, praying for the sick. I am just, um, I've seen incredible miracles. I've seen people healed. But I've also um, got a, a godly frustration that I want to see more of it. And um, I've, I've prayed for people. They've been healed. I've prayed for people also. And they've gone to be with the Lord very shortly afterwards. So, you know, I'm still learning at this. And, and what I've learned and what I've seen in Scripture and what I've learned from people with far more years of experience and testimonies than me, I'm going to share tonight. Okay. So make that dis- disclaimer up front. One thing I want to say, starting off, God still heals today, is that I feel that this is one thing that we each have to come to a personal revelation on. And I want to encourage you that it's not Candice's revelation, it's not Stan's revelation, it's not the eldership team's revelation, but you know that you know that you know where you stand on this and where scripture stands that you've sought out the scriptures for yourself, because it's going to make a whole bunch of difference when you are praying for someone who is sick in front of you. And if you are wavering and vacillating, does God heal? Is it God's will to heal? Does He desire to heal? You know, your prayers are going to be very flowery and very all over the place. So we each need to come to our own personal revelation of the truth here. And I'm going to speak from um, my pursuit of that revelation from scripture. I believe that it is always God's will to heal. But I want to encourage you to get your own, okay, from the Word of God. So I'm going to be quoting Bill, Bill Johnson a bit because him and Randy Clark have really shaped a lot of my kind of ex- experience when it comes to praying for the sick. Bill Johnson says, Healing is not something that God does, it is who He is. His name is Jehovah Rawful, the God who heals. And what did, if His name is Jehovah Rawful, I mean, we say rafa, but I think the Hebrew is actually rawful. Um, Jesus said in uh, John 17, verse 6, I have manifested your name to those you gave me out of, of the world. I've manifested your name. I've put your name on display through what I've done upon the earth. And we are still called to manifest that name, Jehovah rafal, to the world around us. Bill Johnson again, he says, And it's quite a long quote, but he says it so much better than I think what I could say. He says, The message of salvation would not be so incomplete if it were preached as God intended. Today's salvation means we can be forgiven from sin. If it was nothing more than this, it would be worth it all. Forgiveness is still the ultimate miracle. But to assert there is more doesn't diminish the importance of uh, forgiveness. It is just that God intended more. Jesus said, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And that word save in the original Greek is the word sozo. It refers specifically to the forgiveness of sins, the healing of disease, and deliverance from torment. That is salvation. Jesus made the provision needed to save the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. The gospel of salvation is meant to touch the whole person. So what does the blood of Jesus mean to you? What does his death and resurrection mean to you? What was the blood of Jesus spilt for? The forgiveness of sins? I would say to you, there is so much more actually. Isaiah 53, one of the scriptures that I went to, and I was like, Lord, show me this. I need my own personal revelation on your will to heal. Isaiah 53, verse 3 to 4, says, Surely he has borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. That's shalom, the completeness of peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. And friends, I went and I studied those Hebrew words. Griefs, that word for griefs, he's borne our griefs in Hebrew is the word koli. That's translated as sickness. And koli comes from the root word chala, which means to be weak or to be sick. Okay? It has physical, like a physical weakness, a physical sickness. Sorrows, where he's carried our sorrows in the Hebrew word, is the word makab, and that is translated as pain. And then by his stripes, we are healed. That word for healed in the he- he- Hebrew, is the word ruffle, is, is that's translated, to cure, to cause, to heal, to physician, to repair, to thoroughly make whole. There's so many people that read Isaiah 53, and I've heard them say, yeah, but they, he's talking about the sickness of sin, like the sickness of our fallenness, but actually, friends, he, he, is, he is saying the great exchange at the cross is also to do with physical sickness. This body was broken, ours gets made whole. If we look at Matthew 8, Matthew 8, um, I want to read it for us. Matthew actually writes, and he uses this scripture in Isaiah to show that Jesus is fulfilling and demonstrating that Isaiah scripture in reality then. In Matthew 8, verse um, 14 to 17, Jesus entered Peter's house. He healed his mother-in-law. And then it goes on to say in verse 16, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So friends, that scripture in Isaiah 53, it is relating to physical healing, the healing that can come to our bodies as well through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So my point up front is that there is provision made for physical healing on the cross. I won't talk for long on this because I want to get into um, the other stuff. But if you look at the covenantal blessings, we are the wild olive branch, the Gentiles, as pig-eating Gentiles. We are the wild olive branch that's been grafted into the olive tree. We are the spiritual seed of Abraham, Okay. And so if you look at the covenantal blessings, and I urge you to go and read these, Deuteronomy 7, verse 12 to 16, Exodus 15, verse 26. He talks about the blessings and protection of health that can come to his people. But in both scriptures, where he talks about the blessings, the provision for health through the covenant, he also says, he talks about, if you listen diligently to what I command you, if you give your ear to my commandments, and if you obey and walk in them, So we have the physical healing, the provision for it in the covenant, but it is often to the degree that we are obedient to the way that the Lord wants us to live. Okay, I want to go in to Jesus as our model. I love the Gospels. Like, I just just love reading them because I love imagining myself in the Gospels. I love imagining what Jesus is saying, what he is doing, the disciples, various reactions. And if we, if we read the Gospels and we look at, you know, if Jesus is our, is our model, okay, he's our older brother, let's look at how he did it. Hey, that's a pretty good starting point. So we see a few things. I'd like to make just three points on this. First of all, one of the common trends or patterns in the way Jesus does healings and miracles is that there's no common pattern. There's no common trend, actually. There's, not, there's no formula. There was no set formula, there was no set process, and I love that God did that. Because he just took religion straight out of it. He said you can't do it in a process, you can't do it in a formula, because every religious bone in our body often wants that da 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 that's so safe for us. And it's, it's he did healing in connection with the Holy Spirit in relationship with the Father. He said he didn't he, he everything he said was what he heard the Father say, everything he did was what he saw the Father do. And that's what we are. it is a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that by which we heal. So he pronounced healing, he spoke it, he often got people um, to do an action. People, he, often people did actions like he stretched out their hand, um, take your mat and walk. Um, he did some really peculiar um, symbolic actions like mixing sand and spit, putting on people's eyes, putting a spit on someone's tongue. If, everyone, if anyone ever tries to do that to me, I want you to know I'm going to go find uh, someone else can pray for me. <laughs> but we see in the, in the New Testament, both Jesus and the apostles, one of the most common ways in which the healing was done was they were laying on of hands. Touch was involved. Okay. So the application for us is that we cannot make praying for the sicker formula. Okay. We cannot get religious about it and say, it's got to look like this, or it's only going to work if I do it like this. And also people who, um, I want to say, if anyone is sick in their bodies, because we'll all probably need to go, I'm going to keep my track of time here. As people, if we go and we have our brothers and sisters gather around us and, and pray for us, can we be okay with a bit of flexibility and fluidity, that we don't go saying, "Oh, but unless you pray like this, you know our, our, our faith doesn't rest in a formula? That's the main point there, okay. Secondly, we see this, that faith, the role of faith of the person receiving healing, And their approach, how they approached Jesus for their healing was often emphasized. But he healed in response to small faith. He did because the father of the demon oppressed boy, you know, he said, Oh, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. So he still healed the, 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 the boy from being demonically oppressed. So he healed in response to small faith. He healed in response to large faith. If you think of the leper in Mark one, blind Bartimaeus in Mark ten, there's a couple of different examples there. He also healed people in response to the faith of the friends who bought. Which I love that story because it's like you know, even if our faith perhaps is taken a, a beating, gather people around you, and and Jesus said he saw their faith as the the. Paralytic was lowered in through the, through the roof. Many times he said the faith of the person who was sick had made them well. So faith, the divine persuasion, assurance, conviction that God God's will is to heal. Okay? That there's healing made, made, for, made provision for healing through the blood of Jesus is important. You think of the woman with the issue of, of blood. Oh no! Sorry, it's another story. Um, You think about the people of Gennesaret in, in Matthew 14, who they just cried out to be able to touch the hem of his garment, and it says, "As many as touched it were made well." So the application for us: if the people we pray for don't get healed, we cannot blame them for lack of faith. But conversely being filled with faith and assurance that God heals coming full of faith does bode well for someone's health outcomes third point I want to make Jesus wants people to be to, people's will to be activated and desire to be healed it must said last week he, he 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 desires hunger he responds to hunger Jesus liked to ask some questions of the people coming to him for healing. In Matthew 20 and Mark 10, to the two blind men in Jericho, he says, What do you want me to do for for you? It's like, Isn't it obvious? He wanted them to answer that. He said to John 5, to the man who'd been an invalid at the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years, He says, Do you want to be healed? Very interesting question. Do you want to be healed? You think the answer would be obvious, but sometimes it's not, obviously. In Matthew 9, to the two blind men following Jesus, he says, Do you believe I'm able to do this? These are interesting questions that he asks. Why is he asking them? He likes uh, to make people active participants in their healing. To actively take hold of it. To aggressively pursue it. To purposefully and deliberately say, I want to move from sickness to health. I want to move, I I, I want to turn away from what was. I want to take up my mat and walk out of this. Some people, in my experience, maybe I should just say up front, I've I've been um, in some form of counseling role for about 20 years now. I did an honors in psychology, I did a master's in health psych. Um, I worked as a psychological researcher for a couple of years before I had my first child. So, so, and I've got a counseling ministry now that I've been doing for about eight years. So I, I've, I've seen my fair share of people who've been in pain and also gone through pain in my life too. Um, but people can derive an identity from sickness sometimes it really works for people. Sometimes it's really functional. Sometimes they, they thrive off the compassion that they're getting. Sometimes they, they thrive with the practical support that they are getting. And so sometimes Jesus knows this, that he has to really ask them some grilling questions. Do you want to be healed? You know, do you believe I'm able to do this? What would you like me to do for you here? I'm one lady I had the pleasure of walking with um, a few years ago. She um, she was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and um, she had multiple tumors on her body. And um, when I saw her, she had had one session of chemo, and her head started falling out. And she didn't have medical aid, so she was going to a government hospital for this. And her health had steadily de- deteriorated and she was not in a very good place physically. She was in a tremendous amount of pain. The doctors put her onto morphine and she spent most of her days at that stage just lying in bed, contemplating the end. Um, she wasn't married, um, didn't have a lot, of, a lot of money. And the one day she was lying on her bed and she felt or she sensed the Lord speak to her. And all he said to her was, do you want to live? He said it was like, not an audible voice, but such a loud voice in her spirit. And she said, yes. She contemplated it because she said it was such a serious question. And she said, yes, Lord, I want to live. And she said, the presence of the Lord just filled the room. She said it like shifted the atmosphere in that room. And from then on, she actually decided, and I'm not advocating for anyone to stop their chemo here. I'm telling you a testimony, okay? Um, she stopped chemo. It, was a, it had, had a, even that one session, it had a tremendous toll on her body, but she decided to stop it. She decided if she was serious, and the Lord had spoken to her, and she said yes to him that she was going to not do chemo then and she actually the doctors were so upset they made her sign a form and all the sort of legal stuff around claiming disability was impacted and all of that but she was unwavering in it and I met with her and we just removed a few other obstacles um, to the Holy Spirit outworking this in her life and that was about three years ago and she is well today. She has not been for another scan. She she doesn't have medical aid to so go and get scanned. But she is she has started a business. She is driving. She is doing so well. Her hair's grown grown back. Jesus asked her a really really important question that changed her life. Jesus won't ever disrespect or override our free will. You now sometimes our will when we get sick gets really passive. You know, it it does. It gets really, really passive. And we, we go to the doctor and we just go to the next treatment and we go there because a friend said I must try this form of therapy. And we take these medicines because the doctor said that we must. And we need to, Jesus wants to activate our will again. Okay. Jesus also liked to get people to do some actions in the process of being made well. Um, he said in John 5 um, to the disabled man at Bethesda, he says, "Take up your mat and walk." I love it. Take up your mat. Like I'm not carrying it for you. Take up your mat and walk. To the man with the withered hand in Mark um, uh, M- M- Matthew 12, he says, "Stretch out your hand." To the ten lepers, he says, "Go, show yourself to the priests, and as they went, they were healed." He says in Matthew 9 to the paralytic that came through the roof, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. You think of the woman who pushed through the dense crowd with the issue of blood, and she pushed through the crowd, and she reached out her hand, and she touched Jesus. And the application, what we see here is often the full realization of the miracle or the healing occurred as that person walked in it as that person reached out for Jesus, as that person made a decision of their will to leave the mat and go, or to leave Jesus to go to the priest, or to stretch out their hand. It's really important that we take note of that. And can I say, you know, a lot of things from the Lord, gifts and graces, they all come in seed form. You know, we don't get a fully-fledged preaching gift, like wake up tomorrow, or fully-fledged gift of, prophecy or wisdom, it comes in seed often and it needs to be grown. And like a healing and a miracle is often like that. And it needs to grow as we walk in it, as we respond to a question Jesus asks us and things like that. And sometimes the things that we put around us when we're sick, I'm not advocating for anyone to stop. (laughs) You walk with the Holy Spirit through this. But the doctor's appointments, the lifestyle changes, the dietary changes, whatever it is, the medication, the, whe- the wheelchairs, the crutches. Sometimes those things were necessary when we were sick. But when we start to walk out of it and into healing, those things can actually confine us. And you know, So we actually need the Holy Spirit and wisdom to say, okay, let's walk out of those things now. One thing he never did I think it's really important, and I don't know. I hope I'm not going to rattle anyone's cage with this. But if you look at how Jesus healed, the one thing he never did was he never asked his Father to heal anyone. Has anyone ever noticed that? Isn't that interesting? He didn't petition. He never petitioned his Father to heal anyone. Friends, I'm not going to say that we should never ask, and God cannot heal anyone if you ask Him. Okay. But I'm going to say, I don't believe the primary modus operandi of us praying for the sick is to petition. To ask the Lord to heal anyone. That's just me, people I've read, people I've walked with, healing ministers, more experience than I have. I see it comes through kingly intercession. It comes through commanding stuff, decreeing stuff, prophesying stuff, binding, loosing I feel that it's like, you know, by asking the Lord, we're asking him to do something he's already done. He's already made provision at the cross. And it's about appropriating and enforcing the victory of the cross now. Like the blood's been made available, needs to be applied. Alright, I want to talk about, is everyone alright? Is everyone awake? Okay, that's just, you know, looking at Jesus as our model, looking at what scripture says about this. I want to talk about, um, you know, we'll get, if someone comes up to you for healing and and they're sick, whatever it is. I mean, it could be a type of cancer, could be a type of autoimmune disease, could be a car accident, a broken ankle, could be migraines, headaches, whatever it is. I want to encourage us tonight um, to ask some questions. To not just um, roll into a prayer, but to actually invite the Holy Spirit into that moment, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and ask a few questions of that person to discern what we're dealing with here. Are we dealing with, like we're going to talk about now, um, a psychosomatic ailment where there's sin involved that's making the body sick? Are we dealing with something that is a curse it's got demonic oppression has created this um bloodline curse whatever it is is it just trauma and accident here is it sort of you know an organic cause of this okay and we'll talk about each each of those so if we look at sin and sickness psychosomatic ailments our mental, that's really just saying our mental and emotional states, our soul is causing us to experience problems in our bodies. Does everyone here understand that there is such a close link between what goes on in our soul and our body? And our soul is our imagination, our thought, our will um, and our feelings. Okay, so what goes on in our soul can impact our bodies. And likewise, what goes on in our bodies can impact our souls. So there are hundreds of different types of illnesses that are largely influenced by one or all of the triad stress, stress anxiety, and fear. And I want to say not all sickness is because someone has sinned. I'm, I'm not, and I would never, you know, judge anyone who came to me and they're sick. and you know, I, I don't immediately jump to that. Uh, through questions and waiting on the Holy Spirit, we want to uh, discern that. But ongoing, unconfessed sin will likely lead to sickness. Does that make sense? And can I say an observation here? You know, when sometimes the Lord won't provide the miracle immediately, when there are things out of order in our soul. Sometimes the greater glory, the greater benefit to our maturity comes when those things that are out of alignment in my soul, in my thoughts, in my emotions, in my will, my decision making actually come into agreement with the truth and it releases then divine healing in my body. Sometimes, and I've, I've really seen this and I've, and I've asked the Lord and I've got frustrated at times, like Lord, why isn't there healing coming? And I really felt that and, and I can totally understand this, and I don't think he's being cruel, friends. I really don't, because I think if we can understand understand the benefit with, when our father comes alongside us and say i'm not it's not going to be a flick of a switch miracle, but I promise to walk with you every step of the way through this. we're going to mature you, you're going to see my." You're going to develop such a beautiful dependency on me that you've never seen before, that you've never exercised before. And there's going to be glory in it for you and me at the end of this. If we can start to see it like that, it's not God being cruel. There is a bit of mystery in it, friends, but I really believe that when there is stuff out of order in our soul, that he's a God who always works in a very complete way. And there might be things that he wants to take transforming our soul to release divine he- healing. the Bible describes a really strong connection between the word of God and the benefit it brings to our bodies from walking in the ways of the Lord and how he wants us to walk in the Bible and the blessings to our health. Psalms 19 verse seven it says the, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul Proverbs three verse eight says "Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord." And turn away from evil. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Proverbs 4, verse 20 it says, Listen carefully, my child, to everything I teach you and pay attention to all I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. Friends, the Bible does not over-exaggerate. If it says radiant health will come to your being, that's honestly, radiant health will come to your being. He doesn't over-promise and under-deliver de- de- on things. Yeah. The Bible also shows a strong connection between poor mental and emotional health and physical bodies. When, when, um, when things are not right in our soul, and the impact it can have on our physical bodies. Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. I find these, um, these proverbs and the, the, the links that the Bible draws between soul and body so interesting. Um, I, I, can, I can remember sitting with a couple once, and 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 saying and thinking, I I'm seeing a, a a a real example of this verse where a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And I was walking with the wife. She loved Jesus. She'd been to Bible school, but she had to be delivered of some inc- some spirits of witchcraft, really like oppression, control, manipulation, domination, things like that. She wanted to be healed. She wanted to be free of it, but it was just ge- generational stuff. But she was so domineering and so oppressive in her relationship with her husband. He actually developed bone cancer. It literally, I I couldn't believe it. It was like, you know, with, with bone cancer, your bones get weak and brittle. They easily break. It's like your bones start to dry up. And I was literally seeing this occur in front of me. Proverbs 14 14, verse 30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 29, Paul's talking about the Lord's Supper and how we ought to take it and the checks we ought to do within our own heart. And he says, for continually eating and drinking with a wrong spirit, um, the ESV says, in an unworthy manner will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. Um, and commentators are there that it, it, it can mean either all or maybe both by not recognizing the church or Jesus' body in front of you, by being irreverent and insensitive to um, the, the Lord's body in front of you and, and that symbolic practice, or... By being irreverent, by not discerning the body, not being in right relationship with others around you. It says, um, if we take it like that, this insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some even dying. Psalm 32. um, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He's saying like my inner turmoil, my inner distress that was not expressed to the Lord, that was not brought out to the Lord and confessed to him, but suppressed inside had a negative impact even on his bones. And so interesting, there's so many scriptures actually where it talks about the negative impact soul toxicity can have on our bones. And have you ever wondered why it always mentions the bones? Yes. Absolutely, the in the blood. So he says because it, it that's where the the bl- blood is made. So so what researchers are, are found out. I mean, this is just recent, like decades ago, and they're still trying to understand that there is a. a there's been established a scientific connection between our thoughts and our bone health. Isn't that amazing? Through the endocrine system and through the central nervous system, neurochemicals and hormones, what you think will release neurochemicals, hormones that will impact our bones. What is made in the bones? The blood. Red blood cells and white blood cells. Your immune system is also made in your blood. The beautiful protective organ that God has given us. Okay. Leviticus 17 says, The life is in the blood isn't that amazing so literally we understand why live blood analysis is so interesting and they get to know it's like they've been reading your diary for the last 10 years and the lifestyle you've had and your sleepless nights and your health checks and your bad eating choices at 12 o'clock at night it's like oh it's all in the blood there's a record of it it tells a story the life is in the in the blood and it paints a picture of what was going on in our mind So we realize, friends, the person standing in front of you, with whatever affliction it is, that it could be way, way more than, not, than a simple pray. You need to ask some questions. Ask some questions, friends, guided by the Holy Spirit. It's, it is an exquisite privilege to pray for people who are not well, to put themselves into your hands in that moment in a very vulnerable state that they are in and let's not make any assumptions and let, let's not dive into things I've done this 50 times before this is how we pray whoops let's ask some questions go with the Holy Spirit I was um counseling a young girl which was in her 30s at the time that I met with her and she um she had, had a really really hard life so she had she was married to a pastor she loved the Lord when I when I had met her But um, when she was 10 years old, she was abandoned by her mom at a bus stop. So she came out, her mom went to the bathroom, went to the bathroom, and her mom never came back. And she was 10 years old, and she had two younger brothers that she had to raise um, on her own. And then when she was a teenager, she was raped, very brutally raped. um, And she had a um, child when she was 16 also so she came to me for various reasons but the one day we were um, actually forgiving her mom and the person that had raped her and it was a very tender moment much tears and we she forgave them she burnt the the records that she had kept and in that moment I felt the Holy Spirit actually gave me a vision of an x-ray of her back and I could see that there was trouble, that there was pain. And I said to her, have, have you had back pain before? She said, I've lived in back pain. Every day of my life, my back is sore. And she was a do- domestic worker, so it was excruciating. And so I said, well, I feel the Lord wants to touch your, your back. We need to pray. And so we prayed, we commanded, right alignment. Everything that was afflicting the back be gone in Jesus' name. Come into health now. In, in the in in the name of Jesus, and she came back the following week, and she was so happy. She said, "I have not had one pain in seven days. I lived in back pain, and it was gone." There was things in her soul that God wanted to touch, and when those obstacles were removed, the Holy Spirit moved in and healed her. I remember praying for um, someone else during. It was during lockdown, and he, we actually knew this this guy, but. With lockdown, we hadn't seen him in ages. So he only came to us, my husband and I, um, a year after this affliction started. And we did a Zoom meeting. And what had happened was suddenly and unexpectedly, his hearing in his ear had gone, completely gone. And he was in this horrible cycle of, he would he, his body was in such an inflammatory state. Um, he would get cysts in his ear. And he would have to go for cortisone injections every two weeks to take care of things, and it was like this year, literally every two weeks, he was at the doctor 's office, having these cortisone jabs. He had grommets, his body re- rejected the grommets completely, got massively infected, um, anything foreign in his body, it was just completely inflamed, his immune system was off the charts and um, so we prayed, or we, we asked questions, and he actually needed to forgive his parents for something massive. It was what the Holy Spirit kind of raised in, in that time with us, and he forgave his parents. And then we prayed, and we just prayed simple prayer. We don't like, you know, God hears us. We don't need to shout. Just prayed, we pronounce healing over this air, be healed in the name of Jesus, or inflammation, go, leave this body now. And Two weeks later, he went back. He didn't need the cortisone jab. The pain was massively reduced. In a couple of weeks, his hearing, with no other treatment intervention, went back up to 80%. So it just, everything went back into normal ways. Praise Jesus. He's so good. It's exciting, friends. The blood is the most powerful thing this universe has ever and will ever have. James 5 verse 16 says, Confess and acknowledge how you have offended each other and then pray for each other to be instantly healed. Other translations say confess your sins to one another or confess your weaknesses. But that word in the Aramaic for um, offenses or sins is, can be translated as faults or folly or offenses. So it's just saying share, confess, bring to the light these areas where we've been foolish, where we've gotten offended where we have weaknesses and we're missing the mark. Share it with each other, confess it to the Lord, and then pray for each other and be healed. It's alluding to this um, very strong relationship between what's in our soul and what's going on in our bodies. In the case where we're dealing with psychosomatic illnesses, forgiveness towards self and others is often key. Even sometimes they need to forgive God. Repentance, confess and repent of sin, mistakes, ungodly thoughts, ungod- walking in ungodly emotions. You know, um, sometimes people say, "But you know, I was rejected at birth. I have been rejected." But you know what, friends? We have a temptation to feel rejected or to feel abandoned. But it is still our, our responsibility if we walk in it the rest of our life. Because we're walking in a reality that Jesus saved us from. So regardless of what has happened to someone, they have to take responsibility for it if they've walked in it. Okay, Things like ungodly thoughts, emotions, self-beliefs that are, that are outside of the word of God, false guilt, self-hatred, any toxicity, there's so much. But ask some questions when someone comes to you, as you feel led to by the Holy Spirit, with no condemnation, just I was wondering if, have you ever struggled with? Okay. So uh, I want to, let's see if we can start this. Do we need a break? I don't want to divide up this next topic. So I'd actually, I think, let's have a break, but just for 10 minutes, and then I might actually... We might see a miracle, guys. We might actually get through it all. Okay. For 10 minutes, Jan, is that all right? Okay. All right. So we see in Scripture a link between physical conditions also like muteness, epilepsy, um, and it being the work of demonic spirits. We even see interesting things like, the man of the Gadarenes that Jesus healed magnificently, he actually s- self-harmed. He was cutting himself. So we see a lot of you know, problems that we have today that have demonic roots to it. Some sinful behavior in our lives, as we've said, can cause sickness. Sickness mentally, emotionally, and physically. And sometimes also that sinful behavior can give the enemy a legal right um, bring demonic spirits into our life that will oppress us, and one of the ways they oppress us and afflict us is through um, creating bodily sickness. Okay, the spirit realm works on legal rights. Okay, so as children of God, we do have something of, of the Lord's protection around us. We have the angelic that protect us. We have, if we're walking in the Word of God, in the light, that's our protection. Um, but where we are deliberately sinning, and it's persistent sin. I'm not talking about, you know, being tempted in a moment of weakness. I mess up. I accidentally shout at my kids and lose my rag at them. I come to the Lord quickly. I confess, Lord, I'm so sorry about that. I repent of it, and I'm right with the Lord. I'm, I'm back in right relationship with Him. I close my windows and my doors. There's no legal right given to the enemy. But if, if you look at a scripture like Ephesians 4 verse 26, this is the case where we, we are walking in unrepentant, unconfessed sin. It says, Ephesians 4 verse 26, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the enemy a foothold. Other translations say opportunity. It's a really interesting verse, if we can just understand that he's saying, you know, in your anger don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't persist in sin. Not confessing it to to the Lord. Not repenting of it. If you persist in sin, okay, ongoingly, you're going to give the enemy a foothold. You're going to give him an opportunity. That Greek word, interestingly enough, for foothold is topos. It literally means a geographical area. Topographic. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you, Few ways in which um, this can work with sickness and demonic oppression. Derek Prince outlines four types of demonic spirits or demonic oppression um, in our bodies. Um, Pain, crippling, death and infirmity. Again, we're not saying that every type of pain you might experience is from demonic oppression. Or every type of crippling disorder is from a demonic spirit. It's with discernment and the Holy Spirit that we find these things out. But you can have spirits that torment your mind. Okay, They torment your mind. They accuse you. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Night and day, he'll accuse us. He'll try to condemn us. He'll torment us. He influences us. He doesn't make us do anything. Hey? When we partner with him. He influences that. He will incite us. He will inflame stuff in us. He'll um, often encourage us to um, brood on stuff, to ruminate in our thoughts, in our thinking, on offenses people have committed against us, records of wrong we've done in our life or condemnation, things like that in our mind. the, The torment is in our mind. But what that can do, and we know research shows us this, is that whatever you think about for a long time actually can influence your neurochemicals. So it starts to disrupt the healthy balance of neurochemicals in your body. And friends, so what you think influences your emotions. Your emotions influence your feelings. Your feelings and your thoughts can create attitudes, and that all results in moods. And if things are disrupted, if that's not a, a positive process, if it's a negative process, that's how you get mood disorders. So we know, so some people say, oh, but, you know, sometimes looking at depression or anxiety or things like that, that can be a real chemical imbalance. Absolutely. But who do you think incites the chemical imbalance? Sometimes you get demonic spirits that just, dis- they torment us in our minds, and if we partner with them, And that condemnation or false guilt or self-hatred or whatever it is, it starts to create an imbalance of neurochemicals and mental health issues can actually develop from there. Spirits that have come in through the practice of really new age practices. Hinduism in the guise of new age is having a field day in the field of health. It really is. I don't know if I'm going to rattle some cages here, but I have to be honest. Like the practice of yoga. Oh, gosh. We have to be really sharp here. Um, The practice of yoga can open up legal rights for the enemy to come in. Um, Transcendental meditation, astral projection, other new age health practices and therapies. There's so many out there at the moment. And it really does open up doors for the enemy to come in. I've walked beautiful journeys with many people where there have been fire serpents and kundalini spirits that come in through the practices of yoga those namaste's that they do they really they are false worship to demonic gods and they go into positions and it's really an avatar of a hindu god that's strengthening a demonic altar and you get kundalini spirits fire serpents that come and they go up the spine and they need to be delivered and they create back issues and neck issues A friend of mine, um, beautiful Christian, again, uh, loves Jesus. And when she was younger, she went to school. She made friends with a Hindu girl. And she was none the wiser at the time. And her Hindu friend taught her how to, um, tr- how to do transcendental meditation. And the one day she was um, completely shocked when she was transported into this paradise. Like nothing she had ever seen before. But ever since then, she had had such massive health problems. She had allergies, um, immune system stuff going on, just terrible, terrible affliction. And she came to many years later, actually, and and her whole family had just gone through sickness after sickness. It was just, you know, having a research background, I'm like, you know, looking at this thing is like such a high correlation here. Um, And she literally had to be delivered, manifesting these spirits that had come in through those practices. Um, personal family um, personal or family history involvement in things like divination fortune telling, drug use open yourself up to mind control spirits, witchcraft any things like that tarot card reading, divination fortune telling, reading horoscopes where we are trying to access knowledge through a demonic gate through a demonic source um, you get Spirits that track a family line that will try and get all the generations into fortune-telling. Opening up doors, putting pressure on subsequent generations. Um, I, I can tell you stories, so, ma- so many stories where I see that spirit of divination that tracks a family line, that wants to perpetuate that sin, that iniquity down the generation. But often with these practices, also, friends, um, ancestral worship sacrificing to the ancestors what you can get with divination witchcraft is like a python spirit that will come into so acts talks about um the slave girl who was prophesying over paul um, you know these are servants of the lord and she was prophesying the truth but it was from a demonic source and a few of the translations say there was a, a spirit of python there and what that will happen uh, like a python spirit like that a real python is they will try to strangle the life out of a person. They'll create um, spiritual blindness, they'll be lethargic, they will be weak. Actually, all the symptoms that you see in that 1 Corinthians 11 scripture, when we um, don't discern rightly the body and we're taking the cup and the bread in an unworthy manner. um, Often attached to those occult practices and witchcraft, people get headaches, migraines, Um, Struggles with concentration, dissociation, space. I'm just listing a few of which I've seen, of which I've read of too. A friend of mine, also a beautiful Christian, when she was young, she was actually, she lost her mom and her dad at a very young age. And um, she lived with family who were very much into veneration of the ancestors, um, would visit uh, Sangormas. And from a young age, she was kind of... um, always seemed to be singled out by the Sangormas when they came to perform their rituals. And um, she had had horrible rituals done to her as a child, Um, not on her own, own will. Rituals of protection. She was cut. She had the muti put in. She was given vile stuff to have to ingest to protect her, apparently, from the demonic spirits, but really putting her into demonic bondage. And after one of the rituals, she said that she was a young girl now, um, she literally felt um, like a snake in her stomach. She could see it. She was in so much pain. God intercepted things, and the next day she went to a pastor's house and got saved. But it was many years later and when I met her, and um, she started a new job, the job of a lifetime. And she started this job, and um, she just went downhill afterwards. It was like God had opened up an opportunity for her, and um, the enemy just wanted to s- sabotage it completely. She started having such concentration See, She started just getting spaced out, um, just dissociating in the middle of the day. and People were talking to her, and I witnessed that she'd just be absolutely confused and not there, just deadpan. Um, she started having headaches regularly. So anyway, we, we went into a, a sort of inner healing de- deliverance session with her. And we broke off stuff from the bloodline, mother and father, and cut off all the curses attached to these rituals that she had gone through. My friends, it was a severe manifestation of what, you know, these demonic spirits in her still. And she went into a dissociated catatonic state. She would have been diagnosed for a medical professional. She was catatonic. And we called her back in Jesus' name. The enemy often wants to those people, check them out, so they cannot receive the word of God in, in those sit- situations. She was set free, and she, was, she didn't struggle with any more concentration difficulties, no more confusion, no more migraines. Often what happens with that fortune-telling um, witchcraft stuff is they, said, they say it's a, ex- they experience it like a steel band around their heads. And literally, and when you break it off and when you command the spirits to go, sometimes we even do a symbolic act, we lift off the steel band and put on the helmet of salvation. So she's free today and she is doing so well in her job. You get curses uh, that are placed onto people from witch doctors, Satanists, witches, um, Amanda LaRue, who's um, quite a well-known prophetic intercessor, preacher in South Africa. I mean, she was telling us that um, she ministered to a witch and brought her to know, know Jesus. And the witch handed over a file that thick of curses they put onto Christians. And curses, friends, we don't need to be afraid of it. We honestly don't. And I'm not telling you these stories. I'm telling you stories to glorify God by them, the power that is in the blood and the name of Jesus. But a curse needs a place to land. But if you're walking with the Lord... If you're walking with the Lord, there is no fear. You, you quickly confess. You know, you quickly come back to him, re- repent of things. You're walking in the light. You're walking in the truth. We don't have to fear. Okay. All right. So curses, place on witch doctors, Satanists, things like that. I remember um, a lovely lady, and she actually worked at a church, and um I'm trying to tell the story to honor her, but not give <laughs> away too much. She her sister had gone into hospital a few months before. And her sister went into hospital. She wasn't feeling well. She just went in to see the doctor one day. She wasn't let she wasn't let out. She actually took a turn for the worse. And um it was a shock. She literally went downhill and her sister died. Very unexpected. So now this lady had had developed a lump in her stomach and she went to the hospital she got it scanned um, and the doctors saw that there was a massive lump they didn't know what it was if it was benign cancerous or anything like that but she was booked in for an operation and her health just went steadily downhill um, she couldn't walk she was battling to come to work she was in severe pain And I'd heard of what was going on through a friend um, because there was some weird stuff going on at home. Even the children in in the house were seeing demonic stuff. um, And I was just putting together the puzzle here. The sister had died. The kids were seeing stuff. Everyone was incredibly afraid. And her parents didn't want her to go to hospital for the op because their sister had died in hospital a few months before. So... um, She actually was at a church prayer meeting, and the church gathered to pray for her um, the same day that I saw her. But friends, when it comes to curses, you cannot petition God to break a curse. You have to break it through kingly intercession. You actually have to say, in the name of Jesus, "I decree it's broken. I break it. I cancel it. I nullify it." Okay. And so when I saw her, she could hardly walk, walk, and we felt this thing. It was there. It was massive. And we broke curses off her. What had come, she had to forgive. What's really important often in these steps is they forgive. You want to remove every obstacle that could um, sort of act as a barrier to them receiving their full healing. So she had to forgive, actually. The people in the community, whoever had sent this curse. um, I'm trying to think what else she had. That was the main thing. She had to forgive. We cut off stuff in the bloodline. The main thing was the curse. So we broke the curse of the blood of Jesus. For instance, also, she manifested severely. She went catatonic. She dissociated. We called her back in Jesus' name. It went on for about two hours. And at the end of it, she stood up, and she was so weak. And the lump was still there. But I knew. I just knew we had broken what we needed to break. I left her. The other day, she was actually sleeping. She was so exhausted. And two days later, she said to me, I had a dream. She said, I was climbing up this mountain, and I I couldn't get to the top. I was trying my hardest, and it was covered in this like black slime. But then I got to the top, and I started running on the top of this mountain, and I ran into a gym. (laughs) And I said, that's so exciting. She's like, why is that exciting? I said, God's healing you. That mountain is like the process that we went through of cutting off curses and going into a gym. Well a gym represents physical healing and physical health. Said so you're gonna walk into your healing, God's gonna heal you. A couple of days after that, in the middle of the night, she started burning up in a heat. Um she she just couldn't she couldn't sleep. She just was burning up. She got into the bath in the middle of the night. Her parents thought she was going crazy. They were all so worried about her. She got out of the bath to try and obviously to cool down and she got into bed. She woke up the next day the lump had gone. So God healed her completely. She went to the doctor um, to go it checked out. The doctor scanned her, couldn't find anything, was confused completely about what had happened. But she's alive today because of Jesus. Um, I want to tell you another story. Okay, are we, are we okay with stories? It, uh, okay. Um, another lady who, also I had come to hear about her through a friend and um i think how to begin this so i i'd heard of her background and she had had a very very hard life and at the time that i would heard of her story with cancer she had a um, very aggressive malignant tumor attached to her spine that was the doctors weren't sure they could actually operate on it And, um, and so I had actually been praying for an opportunity to somehow meet with her because I didn't know her well. It was difficult for me to phone her up. Um, Somehow God would orchestrate an opportunity that I could meet with her and, you know, chat to her and and, and say, you know, can we just arrest this? Thank you Jesus name. And um, it was such an amazing orchestrated event because I'd been praying for her for a few weeks. And then one day she walked into a coffee shop and she went to see the person. My husband was in the coffee shop meeting with someone and she bumped into them and started telling them about this tumor and how she thinks it's d- demonic and all of this. And my husband's like, Candice has been praying for you. We've been waiting for an opportunity. She'd love to meet you. So then we, we, we met. And um, my notes are all over the place here. There we go. I want to make sure. But what basically happened was she had, had a, uh, her gardener had left in a very bad way there was a massive grudge there and the one day she walked out um, of her front door and she saw three lizards impaled on a tree in front of her her domestic worker came out she said ice this is witch doctor and you know my friend was like i'm not scared of that i'm gonna go take them down but a day or two after that her gardener downed his tools in the middle of the day and walked off angry She's only putting this together after I'm chatting to and we're asking some questions. A short time after that, a couple months after that, the tree got cancer in those branches. I didn't even know trees could get cancer. A, short, a few months after that, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She had three lumps on her breast. Three lizards on the tree, three lumps on her breast. She had chemo. I don't know if she had an operation, but she had chemo. She was healed. The cancer went few months later, she got three lumps in her kidneys. She went to the doctor, chemo, radiation, I can't remember exactly what had actually happened, and no more cancer, carried on. This was now the third round where the cancer reappeared in her spine. What we had to do was actually she had had um, a fear that she was going to die young from a very young age. that even predated the, the cancer. And that's what often when you find people with a spirit of death tracking their family line, there's this feeling I've, I've had in my family, you literally are so convinced you're going to die young for some reason. You just can't imagine yourself having kids and grandkids and all of that. And we had to confess that, repent of that and cut that off. She had to forgive some people, some family members for, some, for things that, that they'd gone through. And we just removed all the obstacles and we prayed. Kingly commands, all of that. A few months later, she was in um, a conference and the Spirit of the Lord came upon her and started to burn up. And she could hardly walk. It was actually so sore. The Lord touched her in that moment. And a few weeks later, she went back to the doctor. There was zero cancer in her, in her body. It had gone. Amazing, hey? Amazing. God is so good. So, so many different ways where um, the demonic oppression can create mental and bodily sickness. Curses from being in secret organizations like Freemasonry, you know, uh, Freemasonry, just to name one of them, because I've had more experience in trying to get people out of that and break curses out of that. But if you have Freemasonry in your blood, or, or you want to ask that question to people that are coming to you for prayer, because there are so many curses attached to that, around um, mental health, emotional health, physical health. Um, one in particular I'm seeing quite a bit come up is they do a ritual where um, they, stay, it's a ritual around creating head trauma, blows to the head, blows to the person's head, and that's sort of the predisposition for that curse goes down the family line again you don't have to fear it you're walking with the lord in the light A curse is not going to come to rest it needs a legal right to establish itself but um you know secret organizations like free freemasonry we get things like head trauma physical blindness freak accidents chronic heart disease respiratory issues things like that I walked with a girl once. Her grandfather had been a Freemason. And she had also, I mean, involved herself in a lot of Eastern stuff, yoga, trance parties, drug use, things like that. But come back to the Lord. And she had had a a, a head trauma. She had actually had a a very bad fall, about um, six Six years ago it was a lot I saw her quite a while ago so six years before that where she had had head and neck pain ever since on a a daily basis she could still uh, work but it was intense she was on four different types of medications from it also and um, then you know circumstances made her come back to Jesus in a big way and as soon as she gave her heart and life fully to Jesus the head and neck pain increased Uh, significantly she was in so much pain she wanted to end her life she was having uh, obviously all the medication she'd go and have a pethidine injection it wouldn't make any difference and she went for inner healing and deliverance at one place at one time and then kind of uh, there was still demonic spirits left and I sort of got roped in through a friend of a friend who got a call on a Sunday night and um so what happened was we need to break curses around Freemasonry. That was the main thing we had to do. And we do the other things like forgiveness and any other ob- obstacles. But, um, I mean, it was so intense for her friends. And this is where sometimes you need to be in twos and threes in the prayer of agreement. Because um, she would send me, vis- send me videos of her sitting, trying to command this thing to leave in her neck. And it would convulse her and shake her and she would vomit every time that it shook her anyway she came through obviously she is just on fire for jesus she renounced everything we broke the, the curses when you break um, you know the yoga involvement in that as well you have to cut them off from all those all the cords to all those false gods that they actually bow down and worship to so we did all of that friends in that session she got free of all the neck pain She did not have any more neck pain. And she had been in such severe pain for so long from it. And she was off her medication too. So we know it was a complete healing that day. So friends, I know I said it's not a formula and a process. But I've got some steps down there. (laughs) But they are to be taken lightly and loosely. Okay, they're they're the main aspects that you want to get to. Okay, when speaking... To someone where you discern that there is demonic oppression, you want to obviously invite the Holy Spirit into that moment. James 4, verse 6 submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You You really want to come under and say, Lord, I come under the fullness of your authority. I surrender to you as Lord and Savior. Um, You want to make sure that person, with all their will, comes under the authority in that moment to Jesus Christ. Um, discern the source of the sickness. Ask the questions. Um, see if there's any forgiveness that needs to be made themselves, someone else, and even God. Often, um, receive God's forgiveness and mercy if for the sinner. We're looking that if it's a curse or it's um, that has had a legal right to land, or if it's sort of um, sinful behavior that's opened up a legal right for the enemy to come in and bring sickness. Um, they want to, it's really important for, to mark a moment for them to receive forgiveness from the Lord. You know, it's one thing that, yes, I, I believe it, but actually ask Holy Spirit in that moment to help them see it. Like I often say, like imagine yourself in a kitchen, in a pantry, like taking something off the shelf, like you are receiving the forgiveness and the mercy from God. It's often a really important step they renounce, that's they legally sever all agreement with, or repent, uh, but you're legally severing all agreement with that ungodly behavior, that lie, that legal rights, that secret society, whatever it is, um, and use the blood of Jesus to break the curse. Decree that it's canceled, it is annulled, declare they are removed from the curse, loose them from the curse in Jesus' name. And what do you bind them to? We always say, you know, it's one thing to break something off. But you have to bind someone to something. So we break off that. You repent of that. You turn your back on that. Well, what do you come into agreement with? Bind them to Jesus. Bind them to the fullness of the blessings that are theirs in Christ Jesus. Um, Seven, administer healing in the way that Holy Spirit leads you to. Command the changes that you want to see. Decree it. Proclaim it. Speak to those areas of the body, um, release health, and rebuke. If you discern there are demonic spirits operating there, rebuke the spirits that have been discerned. Okay. Does that sound good? Friends, I even, you know, don't hem yourselves into that. It has to include things like that, but be led by the Holy Spirit. Can I be honest with you? I've learned on the job. I've learned in moments of confusion and just utter what's going on. And the Holy Spirit is so faithful. He will lead you and he will guide you. And it is exciting to be used by him in that moment. And it is good for us to stretch ourselves in these areas too, to take risks. Okay. So, I'm, you know, there's accidents and trauma there. Um, maybe just to mention that when it comes to Actually, I, I want to mention one thing. You can read the accidents and, and trauma a bit, but I, I, I want to share one thing there. Um, the Lord, a few years ago, gave me a dream where it was like a teaching dream. It was like an instruction dream where he kind of like um, brought me some revelation to help me in this, in this ministry that I do. And he, and he, and he told me in, in the dream that there are two lies. I'm sure there's more, but in the moment he was telling me two. Two lies the enemy likes to use. To obstruct people from being healed. And the one is, um, I want to get it right, that this, the belief, the lie, that this is going to be a chronic condition where the person believes I'm never going to be free of it. Where doctors have said, this is terminal, this is chronic, you'll be on that medication for the rest of your life. The Lord showed me in a dream that is a lie. If they come into agreement with that lie, it's going to actually barricade limit something of the healing power of God that can to them. So I'm not saying that they have to walk around. Don't pretend you're not sick. Don't, yeah, don't pretend you're not sick. But you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. The Bible is very clear about right? it. There's scriptures around that. You know, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. They don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And rather just say, I'm taking this day by day, then pronounce that This is going to be chronic and terminal and for the rest of my life. We don't know that. God can act in a, in a moment. The second lie um, is that looking at their medication when they believe that I need this to get through my day, that I cannot live without it and again I'm not against medication at all I'm against the over dependency on medication when so what he was showing me was, was was really where you look at people look at their tablets and and they depend on their tablets more then the grace and the power and the life of God to get through their day. So when there's an over-dependency on on medication, we need to kind of address that lovingly with people. Just right-size it. You know, one of the things uh, I I speak to my clients about, I say, look at your medication and say, you are a little assistant. You are a little facilitator of this process, but I depend on God first. Okay. Friends... (sighs) I'm going to stop there, Jane, just out of honoring people's time. And we've got like five minutes for anyone to ask questions. But yeah, there's a thing on accidents and trauma there. And then what happens when someone doesn't get healed? I just read a few. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Does anyone have any questions? I'm also happy to stay for a few minutes.